Morning everyone. <laughs> it is an, an absolute pleasure and privilege to be with you here at Verwood once again. Um, and I'm really privileged today to be speaking to you as the next part of our uh, discipleship series about service today. Um, and we're continuing throughout the series and we're journeying throughout the series with the aim of helping each and every one of us grow in a greater maturity and in their own relationship with Jesus. And again, today we're looking at that key characteristic, that character trait that we are all aspiring to grow in maturity of, of service. And it's important to point out at the very, very beginning for today that we're looking to um, develop and aspire to develop service purely as an overflow of the love that we have for Jesus and the service that we've been singing about this morning that he had for us too. As a church family, we want to be deeply rooted in God's word and standing firm in the goodness of God so that when we are faced with the challenges of life, we can weather that storm, standing firm in Jesus and not being swayed either to the left or to the right. And throughout the series so far, we've looked at being devoted to Jesus, being devoted to the word, being devoted to prayer, and last week, being devoted to relationships. And once again, all of these come from a deep relationship and love of the Father. As we turn our focus more intently to the life of Jesus, we're aiming to become more and more like him each day as followers of Christ. And the reason we want to become more like Jesus each and every day is because Jesus was a man who was devoted to the Father in heaven. A man who was well-versed in the depth and breadth of the scripture. A man who was dedicated to spending time in prayer with the Father. And also a man who loved building loving relationships with those around him. But Jesus was also a man devoted to serving and loving others. In Mark 10 verse 45 we read, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. And this is where we draw our attention to this morning, to service and to the service of others because of the overflow of the love that we have for Jesus. And the first question I'd pose to you this morning is, why do we serve? Or why should we serve? Why should I do kind of caring, compassionate things for somebody else? Why should I maybe serve on a Sunday morning or serve in my workplace, go above and beyond for others, even if I don't necessarily feel like it will be reciprocated or if anyone may even notice? Why as Christians do we always strive to go out of our way to serve each other, to serve the community, but of course, most importantly, to serve God? In service, is a result of love. And I want to start by uh, telling a quick story about, in terms of why do we serve, about the first time that I went on holiday with Karen's family when we were very early in our dating life. Um, and that family holiday in Cornwall that they do every single year that I was invited to share with and go along to, came with a warning at the very start of it. And the warning was this, if you don't do any washing up on holiday, Gran won't approve of you. And to give you a bit of context, uh, Karen's Gran, who is now at 97, but still going very strong, she is an absolute thunderbolt, 
And again, she's got that kind of admiration and reverence of the family, but she's also got the care and compassion and love all the way through the generations in that family too. She really has that servant heart that we long for. She was definitely someone to impress. Definitely someone that I aspired to do as warned, make sure I did some washing up so I was on Gran's good side. Otherwise, I may not have got welcomes back, who knows. But it did leave me with a decision to make. At the end of the day, do I do the washing up just for her approval, or do I do the washing up because I love Karen, because I love the family, and that's the deeper reason? Or am I just doing it for the approval of others and to be accepted? And there's always that temptation, that wrestle to do that in times of life. Am I doing it so that other people give me a pat on the back? Other people see what I'm doing and acknowledge what I'm doing for them? Or am I doing it because down the line, I want you to do it back. I want something in return. And of course, as Christians, we're always looking to Jesus as our example in terms of our motivation around the reasons that we serve throughout our walk uh, here on earth. And we're looking at Jesus later on this morning. But the key point that I want to make for you is about service is a result of love. In the morning, when I wake up, I make uh, Karen a coffee. I do it because I love her. I put the bins out, not a job I enjoy doing, but a job I do because I love her. And I want to serve her. It's from that overflow of love. I take the dog out for a walk, especially this week, on a very wet, drizzly morning when it's chucking it down. I know I'm going to get soaked, the dog's going to get soaked. I do that so that she can stay tucked up in bed, stay nice and warm and comfy because I love her. Not because I'm hoping that tomorrow she's going to go out in the rain and I get to stay in bed. I do it because I love her. And I want to share that love through action to her. So that she would be blessed and she would feel loved too. So that she'd feel taken care of. And so that through all those small acts of kindness, she would see on a regular basis that I love her. Actions speak louder than words. Look through the gospel. Jesus is a perfect example of love in action. He serves faithfully for others through action and through deed. And the first scripture we can look at this morning in terms of love in action comes from 1 Kings 17. We're going to look at verses 7 to 24. So if you've got your Bibles with you, please turn with me. So 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 7, where we find Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. So starting in verse 7, it says, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath, in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have instructed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. Uh, when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. 
Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me, from what you have, and bring it to me. And then make something of your, for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour uh, was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Do you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on the bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Now in that passage, Elijah was very bold in his request. He was asking the widow. She clearly had very little to offer. And she said she was making the last meal for her and her son before she expected them to die. However, the widow still agreed to do as Elijah had instructed. And as she believed in the faithfulness and the promises of God, even when we feel we have very little to offer, like the widow in that circumstance, God can do amazing things through what we entrust into his hands. Even in the small things, God can work wonders and work miracles like we see in that passage. And it's a perfect example of God's provision for Elijah and the widow. How God provides when we look to him, when we call out to him. God's provision for Elijah, the widow and her son, came from an overflow of love and compassion and faithfulness that God had for them. However, when the storm came, we see the, uh, the son falling ill in the story. Elijah too showed compassion for the widow by seeking God's help to restore his health. Elijah was moved to action. The widow had placed blame of her, uh, her sin, but Elijah made the choice to serve and to walk faithfully, to serve and not to walk away from the widow in that troubling time of that storm, but to choose to love and serve as he was too rooted in the faithfulness and promises of God. 
And that's what, again, we should all be aspiring to as we go throughout our journey as Christians. But it's not always easy. Serving can be hard. There can be those times when we don't want to give, we don't want to serve. And those times when we just don't feel like we have it in us. And in those moments, like Elijah, pouring his heart out and declaring out to God, asking for that boy to be healed and the life to return to him, that we too can look for our strength in God to provide for us and to give us that strength. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, we read, Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And that key part of that for our focus today, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. And our strength comes from the Lord. On the days when I don't feel like showing care or compassion for others, my strength to show that grace comes from God. If we rely on our own human strength, we can find ourselves becoming worn down, even burnt out. But when we look to God for our strength and our provision, and when we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we can persevere, placing our trust in him and placing the needs of others before our own. Again, it's not easy to do. It's an ongoing process that we are on. Again, I myself, as a naturally fallen man, am selfish. There are plenty of times I don't want to go in the storm with the dog. There are even times in the morning I wake up, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, had a difficult time the day before, or difficult circumstances in life. But you know what? The last thing I want to do is get up, put the kettle on and make a cup of coffee for somebody else. All I want to do is stay warm, stay wrapped up, think about myself and put myself first. And often in life, it is those times when we are tired, when we're hurt or even when we've been offended by others or the words of others that we really don't want to serve. We don't feel that anyone will care, anyone will notice. And again, the issue we face as Christians is the world wants us to focus on ourselves and not to look for the needs of others. Saying things like, look out for number one. Saying things like, I don't care whose toes I have to step on to get what I want. Take care of yourself because nobody else will. So much of a common story that we hear. But if we root ourselves in the ways of the world, where does it leave us? It can often leave us feeling lonely, feeling isolated. We become self-centred, egotistical. We become isolated from others. When our sole focus is on our needs and what I want and what I want to do, rather than our focus being on Christ, on the church and the people around us too. And last week we looked at relationships and the importance of family. 
But more and more, the world is placing focus on the individual and not the collective. You know, we want to be people that focus on others before ourselves. And once again, we look to God for the strength to do that. And we're going to take you now to Romans 12. So if you want to turn to me to Romans 12, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I'm going to pause there for a moment, just reflect as we see that as a result of God's love for us, we too should love and serve others just as Jesus did. And that's another key thing for you today. God served us first by providing Christ. And that is too, once again, we should serve others. It comes from his service to us initially that we then can pour out service on those around us. Jesus came to serve. Jesus laid down his life as a living sacrifice, not to gain the approval of others, but because of love for the Father, but also love for the sinner. Our love for the Father and love for the sinner. We love because Jesus loved. We serve because Jesus served. Continuing in Romans 12, picking up in verse 3, we read, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fever serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share, the Lord's, uh, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practicing hospitality. Again, there's a lot to unpack there. But some key focus points for us in verse 9 love must be sincere. Are we serving out of love for others or are we serving? For our own gain. So that someone may notice what we're doing. In verse 10, 
We read, be devoted to one another, honour one another above yourselves. And it's so challenging to not put ourselves first and look to the other person's needs before what I need. And we must have the right heart and motivation behind our acts of service. And we must be willing to place others' needs before our own. And once again, I want to draw our focus and attention back to Jesus. Jesus was devoted to his disciples, sharing for them and sharing to them. And once again, as we look to be devoted disciples of Jesus, we look to him as our ultimate examples. And in the scriptures, one of the best examples we see of Jesus's servant-heartedness comes in a passage we'll all be very familiar with, where we see Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. So turn with me to John 13 this time. And we're starting in verse 12. This is just after Jesus had done the act of serving humbly his own disciples by washing their feet. Beginning in verse 12, we read, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Again, Jesus saying in his own words, I have set the example, the standard for you, that you would do likewise to those around you. Um, And you might have a similar heading in your Bible to mine. If you look just below verse 17, the next bit we see is Jesus predicting his betrayal. And it's key to point out in the journey of Jesus' life, this comes very soon before we see that betrayal, where Jesus is tried, where Jesus is nailed to that cross. And even though Jesus knew he was not long away from that happening, he still humbled himself to the level of a servant to wash the feet of his own disciples, even the disciple who would then betray him. And it's also key to point out that in the time of Jesus, washing somebody's feet was the job of the lowest servant in that home. Can you imagine in the time of the disciples, when they're travelling around the land, the dirt, the dust, that would get caught up on their feet and on their sandals, and when they enter the home and they want to have that meal, they would have their feet washed by, again, the lowest servant in that home. It was that person's job. And you can almost imagine the disciples' reaction when Jesus does this. What on earth is he doing? Why are you doing what the lowest servant would do? But yet again, it's a perfect example of Jesus setting the standard that there is no job that we should see as beneath us. There is no way we can serve somebody else that we can think, oh, somebody else could do that. That's a job lesser than for me. Again, we can reflect in 
society, and sometimes the way society treats those that it does look down on. And that maybe do those jobs in society that other people don't want to do. And yet they are still serving. There's no job that is beneath us when it comes to caring for each other. When it comes to caring for the church too. We see Christ humble himself. Again, this was the disciples' teacher and also their Messiah. Their teacher and their Messiah performing an act of the servant. Jesus using his actions as that example. Encouraging them and it's an encouragement to us today too. To show that same level of humility and sacrificial love to one another. And again, ask yourself, would you be willing in that situation, as Jesus was, to get your hands in the dirt and the dust, wash the feet of the disciples? I'm sure for many of us, it's not a job that we would jump straight forward for and want to offer ourselves to do. It's just the significance, once again, of what Jesus demonstrated. An outpouring of his love for them. Again, taking us back to the very first verse I read this morning. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is our example. His love was active and outworked, and therefore so should ours. If we're aspiring to be followers of Jesus and devoted disciples of him. So then the question comes, how can we serve each other? There are so many different ways, so many different roles and jobs in church, out of church, in our own family context, where we are able to serve. But something I'd like all of us to reflect on today is our own individual gifting. In Romans 12, we read, uh, in verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. So I'd ask you this morning to think and reflect on what gift has God given you? And we are all one body as God's church globally. We all have a part to play in serving. We all have a part to play in putting others' needs before our own. And what, God, what gift has God given you that you could use to bless those around you? How could you use those giftings? You know, whether that is in your own family, whether that is out in the community, whether that is here as part of New Life Community Church, how can we bless others through the gifts God has given us freely? And also, how can we grow in service? Part of this uh, series is about growing in maturity as Christians and developing some of those key areas as disciples. And I think a key thing about this comes down to self-awareness too. Yes, we want to focus on others and the needs of others, but also being self-aware of my own limitations, whether that's health, whether that's energy levels. The last thing God wants for us is for us to burn out physically, but also spiritually too. And not finding ourselves in that position where we are serving and giving and giving and giving, but not to being fed. 
We want to serve him first. Spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, spending time in relationship with each other during the week. And it's from that outpouring of love for him that we share it with others too. And we reflect on what God has done for us, the gifts he's given us. We pray that God might use us in greater ways in the future too. If I want to grow as a Christian, I'm always longing for God to do more through and with me so that it may bless those around us. And again, in terms of here as part of New Life Community Church, serving, we can connect with our site leads, our life group leaders, the elders here at New Life. Is there something God is placing on your heart this morning where you reflect and think that I've got a gifting here and I want to bless others with that? I urge you this morning to speak to someone about that as part of the body, giving our giftings freely to those around us. And in terms of how can we lead ourselves in the area of service, I encourage you to do three things throughout this week and your walk with Jesus too. Number one, look up, look in, and look out. The first thing we start with all the time is praising God for what he has already done, the gift of Jesus. That's always our starting point. Then we look in. What has God provided me with? What has God placed in my hands that I can bless others with? And that's where we look out. To our brothers and sisters in Christ, to our community, to our global church family. I look out to see how I can share a little bit of what God has given me with those I come into contact with on a daily, weekly or even yearly basis. It's in those moments when we show the light of Jesus living inside us. And we look up, placing him first, placing all the glory on him. Not serving that we may be served. Not serving so that we may be acknowledged for what we've done. Serving because we love and adore our Heavenly Father. And that's the relationship that comes first. That we love him. And through that love, we may look out to others, placing the blessings that we have to bless everybody else around us. At this time, I'm going to invite us all to stand and invite the worship band to come back up too, just to spend some time in reflection and invite the Holy Spirit to come among us. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as I guide you through some reflection response time today. And the first thing I want to invite you to do this morning is just to close your eyes as you're standing. First of all, in the quiet, in your own heart, start by looking up. Start by praising your Heavenly Father for the glorious things He's already done for you. For this new beautiful day He's placed and blessed us with. In the silence, look in too. What's God given me that I could use to bless others? And then reflect on who are those people in your life, in your week, in your circumstances, who you can be a blessing to. That you can bless others through simple action, 
through conversation, through offering to pray for them, for just being a shoulder to cry on. That's an act of service. We're just going to spend a moment in silence and just let the Spirit wash over us. Thanking Him, reflecting, and looking out to others. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for the love lavished on us. We thank you as we sung this morning that you so loved the world, that you gave your one and only Son. You gave the gift of Jesus so that we may be free from sin, we may be washed clean. so that we may have salvation and security in you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you served us first. We praise you for that. We glorify your name for everything you've done in our lives so far. And Lord, this morning, would you really stir hearts Still giftings among us as church family. That through the love lavished on us and through the giftings we have been given, that love would overflow and lavish others. That in whatever way we can, as part of the body of Christ, we may serve those around us who are in need. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We offer the little we have to bless those around us. We look to you for our strength to do that, Lord. Never let us forget that it's the strength we have in you that provides us grace and patience and love for those around us. That we too may show love in action to the world around us. Amen.